you know, is it fair that now I'm competing with somebody when I'm doing the most I can, you know, in, in the few square meters I have in my apartment and somebody's been able to have full track access, full gym access, you know, is this fair? So. We just thought as association, let's just go and take the assumption out of it. Wow. Athletes, fans, media, um, you know, and, and it wasn't just professional athletes, it was just athletes. Do you believe you're in the right shape? Do you believe it's safe to consider? Do you believe um, in, in the spirit of equality that the game should go on or they should be postponed? Meet Christian Taylor, the reigning two times Olympic champion triple jumper, the reigning four time world champion, the man who formed the Athletics Association and helped postpone the 2020 Olympics for the sake of fairness for all athletes. This is Christian Taylor. In, in 2013, I, I was in Loughborough and, and became fourth at World Championships 2014, had to learn how to, 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 to jump again. Right. Well, that's so ridiculous. Last... look, I mean, that is madness. <laughs> I, I don't know triple jump, but I've been able to watch and ask and speak to coaches and speak to you. Nobody does that. Nobody Correct. does that. Nobody. Yeah. So I was the first person in history to ever win Olympic Games off both legs. Right. But this was this was left for my my uh, 17. I, I remember to this day, I, I won 1750 Glasgow Diamond League was the moment of my career when I thought this is no longer my new leg, this is this is now how I jump this. So that was my breaking moment in Glasgow, believe it or not. So um, Loughborough was was such a period, um, you know, at first I thought, wow, why am I in the valley? Why, why, why am I here? You know, I'm here with my longboard, can't even drive, um, leaving Daytona Beach, Florida, 30 <laughs> degrees year round, 20 degrees year round. Loughborough, you know, I, I go to London and people are saying, Loughborough, what's in Loughborough? What are you doing in Loughborough? You know, everyone knows as the uni, but they're th thinking, what am I doing there, right? Like all the centers you have in London, um, you know, you can go anywhere. But um, for me, this was such a, a brilliant chapter in my life because uh, again, with the friendship, with the personal growth, with, with the rewriting um, of my career, you know, I, I, I really, have now been able to to reflect back and, and, and just be grateful for that. Welcome to the Christians in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Reed, and welcome to a brand new series for Tokyo 2020 stroke 2021. We have a great series lined up for you over the next few months for the Olympics and the Paralympics. We're speaking to athletes people who have been there and done it about life at the pinnacle of their sport we're speaking to chaplains who have mentored and pastored athletes in the highest highs and lowest lows we're hearing from paralympians and their coaches about what it has meant for them to follow jesus and compete in their sports we've got a great few episodes lined up over the next few weeks so do subscribe do pass the podcast on to friends and do leave us a review if you've enjoyed it the man who helped form the athletics association where their mission is to ensure the best interests of elite track and field athletes are protected and fought for. It's an independent body made up of athletes. They want to help advance and grow the sport uh, and they make athletes the priority. 
that's the Athletic Association. We're going to hear more about it. Now, Christian, unfortunately, got an injury just around the time we recorded this podcast, meaning he's no longer able to compete in Tokyo and defend his title. But he's going to speak about how he came to help form the Athletics Association, how an Olympic and world champion decided it was time for change. It's a fascinating story, well worth a listen. Let's dive in with Graham Daniels Dano, who spoke with Christian a few weeks ago. He starts by asking Christian how 2020 was for him. I'm really interested in you. It's, it's been, what, 18 months of COVID. Must have been a real tough year for you as an athlete. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so 2020 was very challenging coming off of the back end of a, you know, a gut-wrenching 2019 decision by, by World Athletics and Diamond League uh, to remove um, my, my discipline and, and three other disciplines going into a potential Olympic year. Um, so that shook me up a little bit. Um, and, and then, you know, going into the 2020 year with the introduction of, of COVID, uh, you know, seeing how this plays out, being very hopeful, optimistic, thinking that it would pass by the summer, we'd get back onto some form of normalcy, you know, a year later, still trying to, to figure this out and, and uh, navigate through these waters. This must have been a desperate year as you've networked uh, numerous track and field athletes, coaches as well, no doubt. I mean, it must, have been agents. A, it must have been a desperate year for so many world-class athletes financially. I, I mean, is that, is that the real story? Is oh, it, absolutely. Is it desperate? Everyone, everyone was grasping for straws, is that, if that's what they say. You know, we had, and, and of course there's this, there's this balance, right? I'm not going to be ignorant or or, or try to shine, uh, you know, turn away, uh, overshadow. The reality is, we could not have competitions for a certain amount of time. So they were creative and said, "Let's do the backyard competitions. Let's do the virtual competitions. Let's let's try to find solutions in in uncharted territories." Um, but the facts were that, you know, this is the livelihood for for many of us. Uh, athletics is not a sport that. In the best of times, majority of us would walk away and, and could set off in the sale. No, it's majority of us will have to go and, and make another career after this, right? And so with this reality, then, you know, having the significant blow of, of COVID, you know, um, it, it put a lot of things in perspective, um, you know, and that's where the faith came in. But also, you know, from, from the business side, you know, it, it was athletes scrambling for a lane if, if there was a meet and, and, you know, begging for traveling money, begging for, for appearance money, begging for prize money, um, where there almost seemed to be none. Which is incredible. I, I mean, obviously we're speaking in a European context, uh, mm-hmm. speaking to uh, a Brit here. And, and you, you, you obviously look at the money in the big American, the big three American sports, right. right. you look at soccer here and globally. And it's inconceivable that world-class athletes, which you see at Diamond League, track and field events, the, the big global games, world-class athletes are having to scrabble in a year like this. It, it's incredible. Now, let me tip that then on to how you, how you manage to press on the Tokyo issue and the postponement and what what was behind that then? How does that link to the conversation we're in just now? Yeah. So um, yeah. So th- there's the the concern of equality, right? So as as 
as a Brit, you can understand. Um, the question became, if, if a country is in lockdown, but the U.S. is open, how is it fair that we are now going into an Olympic Games, right? So the, the pinnacle of sport, it's not an even playing field. If, if, if my competitors don't have access, cannot leave their, their front door, yet I can go to the track, how is it fair that in six months we're competing for the same medal? Um, and so this is where um, it, it was very difficult because, you know, and, and I'm, I, I believe I've, I've been very fortunate to, to now, you know, being uh, based also in Vienna, I, you know, my heart is, is actually on both sides. I, I know the reality, right? So I was, I was um, you know, in, in Vienna to, to start the year and was training through a lockdown to come to Florida, you know, several months later to things being wide open, right? And I thought, well, my fiance and I, you know, had to have exemption letters to go to the track, have to have, you know, tests multiple times a week to, to be able, and I come here and it's like, all things are open. So you, you then start to think, you know, um, what can the Athletics Association do to be a voice for fairness, for equality? Um, you know, let's have competitions, but is it fair that somebody has been able to train consistently throughout the whole time? And I'm not trying to put uh, an asterisk on, on the U.S., but, you know, um, because it's just been very different uh, depending on the countries you're in. But, you know, is it fair that now I'm competing with somebody when I'm doing the most I can, you know, in, in the few square meters I have in my apartment and somebody's been able to have yeah. full track access, full gym access? You know, is this fair? So we just thought as an association, let's just go and take the assumption out of it. Wow. Athletes, fans, media, um, you know, and, and it wasn't just professional athletes. It was just athletes. Do you believe you're in the right shape? Do you believe it's safe to consider? Do you believe um, in, in the spirit of equality that the game should go on or they should be postponed? Let's take the assumption off of the IOC's table, off of what athletics say. Let's just say this is what the athletes think, the mm -hmm. media think, the, the, the fans think. You know, and if we can come back and say, majority say it's not fair, majority say they're not prepared, majority say it's not safe. Now the ball is in your court to make that call. Mm -hmm. But you cannot say we speak for the athletes and we think. No, you can yeah. say we know. That raises then, Christian, uh, the, the, the risks, risks, yeah, the risks for you. It, it, you know, you're stepping out here. This will be, you know, it's 2011 that you won the world championships for the first right. time. It's a decade now, a uh, big event uh, in Tokyo, now a year late. You know, it, it, there exists uh, the Athletes Commission. You, you know, the, these things are in place with the International Olympic Committee. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're, you're a voice here in the last 12, 18 months, which is a potentially disruptive voice on behalf of your peers. There's a risk that you're taking here, you're sticking your Absolutely. neck out. You are. Right. Um, how has that been received as far as you're able to talk about it by the people at the higher echelons of the establishment, as it were? Yeah, um, and I, I think you hit on the big point, and, and that was so important from the very beginning. Um, the focus was why is there the need for the association and how are you different? Right. And, and so um, to almost, maybe I should have flipped this, but to say from the beginning, you know, we're an independent body and we believe this is actually a huge differentiate um, element because we are able to say 
this is our voice. This is what the athletes think with no regard or, uh, you, you know, we have no influence of, of having to walk a certain line or we're saying we, we're only magnifying what the body is saying. You know, we don't, we don't have to report to someone and say, does this, does this challenge X, you know, is, is this okay? We, we can say athletes, what do you think? Here you go. Um, now what athletics IOC, you know, do what you want. Um, and, and, and why it's, why it's important. Um, what we saw and, and, you know, it, maybe it sparks fires, but, you know, we've been putting out these fires or dealing with these fires for the last 18 months. Um, it's the dialogue. We, as an athlete, being a professional athlete since 2011, I have not been uh, present or, or had the opportunity to voice opposition or even solutions. I want to point out even solutions to issues because I was never made aware of them. Um, and, and this for me came to a point, and maybe it sounds selfish, but I thought as an Olympic and world champ, as a multiple Olympic and world champ, um, if they're not speaking to me, who are they speaking to, right? You, you, have, to, you have to start thinking that. And, and when I was around these tables and, and decisions were being made, I, I thought, well, this person's Olympic champ in the 100 meter. This person's Olympic champ in pole vault. This, but, and we're all saying the same thing. Who are they speaking to? You know, and, and this is, again, from what I think is IOC, but also from the commission's sake, you know? And, and so um, then I, I, I started to say, well, what role does the commission play? Is it just their round table that makes the decision um, to, to voice what the athletes think? Or is there ever actually dialogue with the body? Um, and, and so we said another factor um, that we're gonna have is that we are real time going to speak with the athletes. We're gonna have the decisions with the Diamond League. We're gonna have the, decision, uh, the conversations with the uh, Continental Tour, with World Athletics, so on and so on, all the parties. And from this, we're gonna go back and say, athletes, this is on the table. Also, this is what we're fighting. Because for me, this was one thing that was always missing. We know the problem, but we also don't know the challenges that keep us from the problem or from the solution. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and what we're talking about here is something pretty fundamental, certainly in, in Western democracy and history, which is, you know, and it's quite late in the day, this. Uh, right. People fighting for the rights of the workers, as it were, of the Correct. of the athletes, an Correct. autonomous, independent, representative body. And yet that comes about in 2020. In fact, right. the day you and I are talking is the day that membership, as it were, <laughs> opens around the world. So right. we're excited to see when we, when this podcast goes out, we're excited to see what's happened. Since yes, yes. Today. It, it's it's definitely been something that's been near and dear to my heart because you know it's 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 when when I came into the sport I I, I saw uh, pioneers like Adam uh, Adam Nelson and um, you know speaking to Alan Johnson and you know hearing about the unions that they that they were attempted uh, beforehand and hearing how almost the stars were the ones that let it down because they were they were fine you know they, there was no need to go against the grain because they were being paid and life was good. And it was mostly the ones that were not getting lanes or the almost the underserved, the underrepresented um, disciplines and in, in, in individuals that have the loudest voice. But we know that you need these, um, 
these these champions to, to actually get the attention of the media and the public and things like this. And so, you know, learning from this, I, I, I immediately reached out to to the network of, of champions that, you know, I've been able to to be fans of, you know, um, behind closed doors, but, you know, um, to be co-workers and colleagues with, um, you know, in, in this stance and say, you know, let's let's stand for something um, for change. And, and let's let's also be a voice for for those that aren't being heard or being recognized. And, and um, the Athletics Association was born. Just give some context to that. How could it be? What would have happened between the generation of people that were heroes, champions, in a time when track and field athletes across the board and disciplines were in good shape, were looked after well? How did that unravel to the point where a current world and Olympic champion has to step in as it happens because of the changes with world athletics and the Diamond League? Why did it decline in that way? Yeah, so it, it just became, so uh, the blessing and the curse of someone like Usain Bolt or Marvel. So these athletes that are almost this superhero label, right? So we have these, you know, every decade or century, however you want to look at it, you have these star athletes that the sport just gravitates towards, that the public, you know, that the, the, the sport just sells as this is going to be our marketing hero, Um when they're in the sport, money is good. Opportunity is good. Uh, the stands are full, um, mostly for this athlete. The, you know, the, the governing bodies sell this and push this and, and say, you know, here's our sport. This is what we have. The sponsorships come. The curse is when these athletes retire, you know, the state of the sport becomes very evident. And if you, these governing bodies are not doing um, or organizations are not doing their part in not just marketing that star, but the up and coming. Well, then you have this gap in between, right? And the the fall is quite large. You know, you, it, you cannot scramble to find the next one. Um, you know, it, it should have always been in the back of their mind of, you know, we have a bolt and we have this, you know, we have a Mofara and we have, you know, to, just to say, hey, when their time comes, we are ready. Um, this was a significant failure. And, and as the fans and, and sponsorships came, they also left, um, you so know, Christian, and, and this it, was felt across the board. So in that context, it seems in hindsight, even of a year, I mean, even just back to last June, right. to, to have you, I know you, you wouldn't be a sort of bragging about yourself, but to have a guy who's uh, reigning Olympic champion, double Olympic champion, uh, four times world champs and still in that seat, reigning it, mm-hmm. but not in the track events, you know, not right. in the sprint events, almost the, <laughs> almost the, the perfect guy to galvanize track and field across the board. Did you feel that? I mean, it, coming from a humble, uh, from humility, it's, it's hard for yeah. me to see myself in this light. Right. But yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think if, if it wasn't one uh, individual that they wanted to highlight, that it should have been a multitude, right? Of, of here's what our sport looks like. The, 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 the multis, the, the, the athletes and the heptathletes, you know, they're, they're labeled as the, the, the best athletes in the world, right? The, the ones that can do two days of just gruel, you know, like, why are we not highlighting these athletes and, 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 and creating this platform for them? Um, but it, it just seemed as if the ball was dropped. And then on top of that, with COVID, 
you know, so we, we already lost a massive amount of, of resources when, you know, Usain left, if, if we're just calling it what it is. Um, there's so much behind the scenes when it comes to, to even the deals that were being made with corruption and, and things like this um, from, from the governing body uh, sake and stuff that the association is, is really fighting. But uh, when we're just keeping it athlete focused, then, you know, the fans are saying, well, if I'm not a tra- athletics lover, what am I tuning into? Who am I following? What, you know, what am I like, what, what am I coming for? Um, and I think this was a, a marketing gap um, that, that's, that really hurt us. And, and then with COVID coming and making this impact and organizers just saying, we don't have the funds because we're not making the money. Mm-hmm. People are not buying, people are not traveling, people are not, you know, so um, this, this was a significant hit also. And, and it was just that snowball effect. Well, well Christian, let, let, let's, let's then focus on, on some of the issues. You know, our hope is that track and field athletes in the UK and Europe, uh, who we know and you know will be listening to this from that particular angle. Um, what are the big ticket items right now uh, that have got your attention? Obviously, we, Diamond League has been righted, as it were. You, you, you've Correct. corrected that. Uh, Tokyo was not back, and we're hoping it's all systems go uh, this time round. Um, there's two or three big ticket items on the agenda for you. Talk into some of these things for us now. I'm thinking WADA. Uh, I'm thinking Rule 50, which mm-hmm. as we speak uh, on May the 6th is, is a big conversation topic. Correct. Um, and maybe the long-term promotion of athletes' welfare. Uh, mm-hmm. Pick up anywhere you like there, because I think they'd be interesting to those listening in. Right. Um, yeah, so immediately with WADA reform, um, you know, there's, there's just been, un- I don't want to say unfortunate conversation, but I, I think this, this conversation has just been stretched on too long. Um, you know, there's this, in this constant, uh, overhanging dark cloud of, of Russia and, you know, these, these athletes that, oh, not so much the athletes, but the federation that proven, you know, um, we're, we're beating the system, unfortunately, you know, and, and, what justice has come from this and, and um, how comfortable now their competitors feel, um, you know, when, when these athletes are there. So this is something that when it comes to accountability, uh, transparency, um, you know, ethics, these concerns are, are something that, that, you know, Emma Coburn, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful to have her as, as vice president, but has been fighting this fight, fight and continues to fight it. Um, she's extremely vocal about it, but, you know, something that, uh, you know, we've been so grateful to work with global athletes and many international independent groups, um, around the world, uh, you know, Germans, the Dutch, I mean, just have been, uh, so adamant about seeing change and, and making sure that, that those that have been wronged, you know, not that you can ever get that moment back, but, you know, find, find some kind of right to make this, but also that we don't go down this path, you know, in the future. And, and, you know, with, with the announcement of, of, you know, the athletes being cleared or, or having to, you know, go under another flag, you know, this conversation, I, I think we just need to get to a point. Um, when, when uh, I, I would say, it, you know, if, if I just go to, to the heart of the association, it was great to have uh, the, the events corrected, reinstated back into the diamond league. This, this was a step, 
um, mm. in the right direction. This was the straw that broke the camel's back, back. But ultimately, you know, we are fighting to have a voice of influence and influences. You know, I've, I've tried to make this all caps all the time because it's not we want to be at the table. Many people can be at the table. Many people can talk about stuff. We want to be able to say the athletes are for this. The athletes are against this. The athletes uh, um, recommend this. Um, you know, let's let's. We want to be at the place where we're respected. We're we're stated as the major stakeholders, yet we're not treated as such. Mm-hmm. You know, so we want to be ultimately that is that is our goal to be sitting with the decision makers and say the athletes feel this way. What, what does the table think? Yeah. And if the athletes don't come to the event, not the table, there's no event. And, and so you are at the heart of this. Yeah. We are the sport, right? That, that the is sport. the thing we continue to push. Yeah. That, that yeah. it's around. That's where it starts. It it's not start. that the other places are important. We need meet directors. We need uh, uh, volunteers. We need officials. We need all of it. It's, it's, it's not about that. But ultimately, it's, it's around the athletes. Yeah, and it's righting the wrongs that need fixing. Now, right, so putting the out-and-out athlete's voice and strength and power to anti-doping uh, is one of the issues here, as, you, as you've said, and I've mentioned correcting, uh, leaving things out of the Diamond League and being much more eclectic, as it ought to be for a range of athletes in track and field. Right in front of our noses today is the discussion about Rule 50 in the Olympic Charter. Let me read a line um, from that, which is that the Olympic Charter bans, quotes, demonstration or political, religious or racial propaganda. Um, It's really important to you. Obviously, I know personally from a longer term relationship with you and a key number of athletes, certainly US uh, athletes who feel very, very, very strongly that this is inappropriate in, in the modern era against the climate that we've, we've all been very conscious of in the last two years, particularly. How's that going? Yeah, it's, it's very frustrating because, you know, we have the conversations just to, I mean, as of today or yesterday, read this news that you will be banned um, from your event, from the village, if there's uh, demonstrations like this, you know, and, and for me, the, the always the immediate response is, you know, what is the Olympic spirit about? You know, it's, it's more than just, Olympicism is more than just uh, comp- competition, right? It's, it's the, the statement of unity. It's, the, it's the, the, the demonstration of nations coming together and working together and standing together. You know, so this unity um, movement is so important. But if, if we now take away the right um, to, to stand up for, for injustice, if we, if we take away the, the right for a voice, it's a human right. I mean, that's what it c- continues to stem down to. It's a human right to feel and, and, and to be able to, to vocalize um, something that's incorrect. How, how, how does change, change is only made if something is voiced, right? If, mm-hmm. if it continues to be pushed under the rug or uh, you turn your back to it, no one knows about it and, and nothing gets done. So of course, athletes or, or anyone is going to use a position like the Olympic games when they know the entire world is watching to say something is incorrect, let's make a change. Let's stand together to make a change. So in the spirit of the, of the, of the games, you know, for, for me, it goes hand in hand that 
an, a, a, an individual, I don't want to say an athlete, an individual should not lose that right to be, to be able to express themselves. Um, because I, I believe it is, it is I, Graham, and Graham, you, you've, you've been on the calls uh, with me and, and, you know, uh, fellow, fellow Christians and brothers of Christ and, and to hear the impact that last year's events had on them. You know, to, to hear how, you know, it was not just an event, but how it resonated with them, how it how it actually triggered trauma from from their upbringing. Right. So it's it's more than just something that happened, but it's something that's almost ingrained in, in, in it's in their identity. Right. So you if you go layer by layer, you, you start to, to reveal and unveil that, you know, a, a demonstration, a peaceful demonstration, um, you know, it is you saying they're not being able to do that actually takes away them not being able to be themselves. I'm not going to ask you to speak into uh, potential tactics for that, because that would be inappropriate to, to ask that kind of question. Um, but certainly uh, we've seen the impact uh, of this perspective from the athlete's perspective, for example, in the Premier League. Right. Enough people who are players so well, hey, we're doing, we're doing what we think is right. Right. And it's pretty tricky to have a game if you don't let the players do something. When your key players say, "Well, ban us then." Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure it, it's going to be a, a demanding challenge for you uh, um, uh, and the association. I'm sure it is. Um, but it's good to hear from you as the president and the founder uh, the feel and the strength uh, behind. Your desire for for justice for all uh, and not for some in the modern era so i think christian i'm, I'm going to use that towards to move towards the end of our conversation here and to say what's striking about, about seeing you at work here um being an athlete but still really at, your, at the prime of your athletic career taking a lead on some of the issues we've discussed today for the sake of athletes, both now and future generations. You have mentioned your faith uh, in the conversation. The link between your faith and your vocation, perhaps, to take this step, it, 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 would, you go that, would you be that strong about it? Do you feel this is a part of your own vocation to take this lead as a result of your beliefs? Right. Um, I, I just want to circle back one point, um, just, just for those footballers. Um, I want them to know also that their stance has encouraged, has motivated, because as, as a fellow athlete, we, we know what's on the line, right? And so for these leaders, for these stars to say, we feel, maybe we have not walked the walk, but we feel the pain, the hurt, the, the, the injustice that, you know, we, we understand what's going on and we stand with you, it actually encourages. So across the pond, this has now been encouragement that we're not alone, you know, and, and I, I go back to that unity stance. Um, but I, I want to, I want to actually publicly thank, um, you know, these footballers because, you know, in, in these times of, of crisis, in these times of uncertainty, that, that is how the devil comes. He wants to still kill and destroy. He wants to divide. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's power in unity. And so to see across the pond that, that there are footballers taking the knee, there are footballers that are saying, something needs to be corrected that only encourages us across the pond to say wow you know like we we have brothers 
across the seas now. We have we have people that can relate, that can understand, that hear us. Um, so I just wanted to really highlight this. Oh, uh, that, 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 that's really helpful because uh, uh, no doubt, just as there's a network in, in global track and field, uh, there's a network in uh, elite Premier League uh, footballers here and right. coaches and so on. And of course, it's mutual because when these guys are watching the courage of major track and field athletes like yourself, then it's a mutually mutually developing phenomenon. Right. So I'm sure that'll be well received and gladly received from you in right. the situation that you're in uh, at the sharp end. Appreciate and that. The sec- yeah, of course, of course. The second one was was a calling to this position, right? The calling to leadership, the vocation. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not meaning to put words into your mouth, but I, I'm stretching for the fact that a guy is at the peak of his career and, it, and you're, you've invested huge amount of time in the last 18 months in something which is beyond the call of duty. So is, do you feel it's a call of duty? Yeah, I, I believe it's, it's a calling. It's, it's almost a purpose because, um, and, and I spoke to, to Trayvon about this today, Trayvon Barmel, um, you know, whether there is resistance or favor um, in something, you can, you can see it as, God, God is for this or God is against this, right? And, and for me, you know, the, the, the thing that I spoke to him about this, it's, it's, are you making sure when you're taking each step or walking down a path or going down the, that you were having this dialogue before you go down this journey, right? And so um, with this, with the association, with whatever that could have developed into, but with taking the stance um, and, and being an advocate when, when, Personally, I was fine, but I thought let let me try to put a unified voice together for for the unheard. Um, the first person I went to w- was God, right? To, to ensure I feel a burning sensation, but let the sensation be because it's something that that you I've been called to. That it's not just something that I have some selfish desire or you know I want to see change, but I, take the I out of it. You know, I, I've 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 strived to actually be in the back burner. I want the association to be a unified. When someone said the athletics association, that they don't see a particular face, but it's always a reflection of the athletic body. That is, that is the vision that, that I've been given. That is the vision that I, that I work towards. Um, a, a president stamp or title. For me, this is irrelevant because it's, it is just, though I've, I've been called to it, you know, it's, you've been called to a position, but, you know, I, I'm looking for the Aaron, you know, I, I know that maybe speaking is not my strength. So I'm going to have an Aaron to be my voice. You know, I'm going to have someone to, to hold up my arms when, when I'm exhausted, you know, and, and we're going to win the battle because, you know, once my hands are raised, we, we, you know, so, you know, I, I always reflect on these biblical stories because I think there are times, you know, God does, does not say it's going to be an easy walk. He never told us this. Right. So it's like, I know resistance may come. I know oppression may come. I, I, I know maybe the, the end of my career may come, but if I've been called to it, you know, I, at the end, I want to be able to, to stand before him and, and hear well done, good and faithful servant. You know, I don't want to be in the position where um, I'm called to something. And I think mm, that doesn't fit in my plans, you know, because we we've, we've read biblically, God will find somebody else. He, he has, he has a plan. He, he, he can put us in this, but we have the, the choice to stay in that or, or to step out. And he's a gentleman, right? He's not going to force us. If we're ready to, 
he called Peter out of the boat doesn't mean that the other the other 11 couldn't jump out you know so it's like you can be called but you have the choice to, to pursue that and 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 so now you know with, with the the constant reading I'm doing with with where my heart is now with maturity you know I'm just making sure it's, it's lined up you know w- between him and I first and then then you know then I I, I push it out so um yeah I, I do feel that calling but because you're reluctant to to talk about your your own um, aims and goals, because you do see yourself as as somebody who's there to facilitate other people, uh, it's instinctive to you. I am going to get you to talk as a last question about how you see uh, the next couple of years for you as best you can, as best as any of us can see beyond today, right? Uh, so yeah. you've got Tokyo coming. So I'm not asking for you to talk about how it's going to be in Tokyo. You'll deal with that when you get there. Right. Um, how do you see the next couple of years, given that we probably return to some normality in the light of what you've been up to, I guess, in the public arena, particularly across the world from 2011, uh, and um, the work that you've been doing now? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's, it's you know, everyone is, is so keen on returning to a normalcy. I, I think, why don't we just step into, into this new territory, right? Uh, and, and I hate to use this example, but for me, it's, it's the thing that everyone can relate to. After September 11th, flying was never the same, right? And so it was not going to new normalcy. Flying never, you can, I remember being able to walk to the gate with my family. Now you leave them at security, right? So flying is completely different. The same mentality, I think we have to go into, into 2020 and beyond, uh, 2021 and beyond. Um, you know, it's, it's not returning to, it's learning from where we were, realizing what we were standing on faith-wise, what were we relying on? Was it that we we're going to take care of it or is it that our provider is going to take care of it? Um, you know, as, as an organization, meaning from the sport, um, are we partnering with the companies, are we partnering with the individuals? Are we partnering with the, the cities? Um, you know, because it, it is as vast as that. Are we partnering with, with the people that are growing the sport, are, are holding us back, or just maintaining? You know, and the, the, the mentality has to be growth, exposure. We, 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 we're claiming that we want to, to reach the youth. How, how much are we invested in youth programs, right? We just, as, as, as an organization, World Youth Championships have been removed. So now this is an age group that would not have the same opportunity that I had. I won World Youth Championships. This was my, my moment that maybe at 15 years old, maybe I should pursue track and field. Now, knowing that this opportunity has been taken away, we have to, to see, reflect as an organization, you know, because I can say personally, my career would not exist without the opportunity. Are we making the right call to take an opportunity like this away? Um, as an association, we say we, we have now built relationships. We have now formed partnerships. We have now um, gained the respect of fans, of media, of the governing body. What are we doing th- with this? Athletes have never had this dialogue in the past. Never. It's normally been, as I said, the agent have been the mediators. The agent have, have been the gatekeepers, right? Now athletes are in the door. What are we going to do with this position? 
Are we going to go back to the normalcy and say, let the agents take care of it? Let the governing body say, or are we going to say, hey, we are here now. We're here to stay. Let's let's talk. Right. And and, and so um, for me, this is this is how I wish and 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 what I believe us as as a team, as an organization, as a sport, this is what we should focus on. Well, Christian, thank you so much for your time. We wish you well at Tokyo. And we wish you well for yourself, but primarily for the impact on potentially thousands of track and field athletes of all ages, young and older in the future, uh, through your work with the Athletics Association. Thank you for your time and we wish you well. Thank you so much, Graham. Always a pleasure to see you. Thank you.